Listen up, motherfuckers. This is episode 16, not 15. This is episode 16 of the New Money Talks, baby. So let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. To this one. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is our first virtual, first remote podcast, not on Zoom, but uh, on Riverside. This will be yeah, interesting. So bear with us because it might turn out shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we got our good friend, Carl. Um, he is the CRO king. I was literally just on Twitter. I see, you know, uh, Sebastian Giorgio asking, so who am I going to for CRO? And everyone is tagging Carl, including myself, because he's an absolute beast in the e-commerce and the conversion and optimization space. He's worked with some pretty, pretty big brands, uh, heavy hitters, uh, some that you would probably recognize. But um, yeah, I guess we'll, let's get into it. Um, so if you have your little two, three minute sales pitch on who you are, I'm sure you've kind of done this before on a couple other podcasts. So we don't want to, and a lot of people who are watching are going to know who you are. A lot of them aren't, but uh, if you can give your little two, three minute backstory, sales pitch, whatever, uh, we, and, we'd and, love and to by learn the way, guys, you know, a little bit more about you. He's from New Jersey too. He's also from New Jersey. Let's hear it, Carl. Let's hear, let's hear the back. Where are you from? What do you do? Okay, sweet. So I'm going to try to keep it not salesy, not pitchy, not nothing. So uh, basically my background story, um, I grew up in Germany. I grew up in like a small city north of Hamburg. I'm living in Hamburg now. I'm 24 years old. Um, I'm, I've been in e-commerce for the past like six, seven years around, like time is flying by. Basically started with buying and reselling limited sneakers like Yeezy Boost, Supreme, Jordans, basically anything that I could get my hands on really at that time. And I was also really interested in psychology. So I would just watch hours and hours of Tony Robbins videos um, and everything that I could get my hands on, like all of the books from the local like uh, library, just because I wanted to understand how can I influence myself and how can I motivate myself. Initially, I wanted to use all of this psychology knowledge to be happier, be more motivated and live like a better life. So for personal development reasons, right? So I did that when I was like 16, 17 years old. Then I, I went to New Zealand, did a year abroad, came back, started studying uh, because I didn't know what the fuck I should do with like 18, 19 <laughs> years old. So I went to university, started studying. So my parents wouldn't give me shit. Um, and then in the first semester, um, I met a guy and the both of us started an e-commerce brand and also an Amazon FBA. So we started that, uh, didn't do crazy numbers, did like hot, like... 85, 90K total with like the first product. Um, and then during that, I met my now co-founder Lars because initially I worked with him to do like CRO for us, right? Because he was like a freelancer back then. So we start talking and for me, it was like bringing two different worlds together, like selling online with like the background of me selling all the sneakers, selling the products, doing Amazon FBA, and then also this like obsession with psychology, which is basically like conversion optimization. Because if you think of it, all it is is like understanding people and then doing some like tweaks on the pages, right? Same with Definitely. like ads or copy or something. And then like boosting conversion rate and AOV. But like the, the conversion optimization or AOV is just like the, the result of it, right? Initially, we change user behavior with what we do based on psychology understanding, right? Because like every person buys different, everybody is unique. So you got to have like the good understanding to understand how to sell to them. So we started the agency, kind of transitioned from the brand to the agency. That was beginning of 2020 during the first COVID lockdown. Um, and yeah, basically over the past two, three years, um, grow to over like a team of 35, 
35, 36 people around, I think now. Work with some of like the biggest brands like the Udi, Vessi, Primal Harvest, a lot of big German brands. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm just enjoying the lifestyle <laughs> uh, of running an agency and being free to do uh, what I like. That's awesome. So I guess what is a, what was the timeline that it took for you to start the agency versus get it to where it's at now? Like, what does that timeline look like? Basically like February, March, 2020 until now. <laughs> wow. That's fast. Like, like wait, like I have a marketing agency. John has a, a 3PL for e-commerce brands. And so it, it's all kind of in the, the e-commerce D2C like servicing industry. And yeah, I mean, we've been around for probably about a year and a half, two years as well. And it's a, it's a fast paced game, a lot of sales, but it, you know, it's fun, but it also has its times where you deal with, you know, some client like horror stories and yeah, where they, uh, where they're just up your ass for a bunch of stuff. So yeah, well, I get going into that. Like what's a, uh, maybe what's one of the horror stories that you've experienced in the CRO space, if there are any, I mean, I feel like you have a pretty straightforward service. It's like, Hey, you give me your brand. We look at the analytics. We look at what you're doing. And then we are conducting some very high level split tests for you, you to try to add some you know, revenues to the company. Was that wine? Water, bro. Oh my God. <laughs> water, water, bro. Are you drinking Stop. tap water? Are you kidding me? <laughs> sorry, sorry for cutting off Kyle. Sorry for cutting off Kyle. <laughs> talk, talk to me about one of the horror stories in, in CRO, working with a client or working with a brand. You don't have to mention the client or the brand, but... Uh, sure. if, if, sure. if you have any, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, any service, any service provider will have the same stuff. Um, every service provider has had some sort of like horror client to work with just because over time you work with like so many different brands and uh, there are, there's always like a human behind it and some humans are better to work with. Other people are in like their own realm and in their own mindset and everything. So if you do it long enough with like a... Like a enough clients, you will have some horror stories. Um, I think it was more in the earlier stages where we had like more of them because that was more based on like the service delivery and not like having everything figured out because now after like doing it for around two, is it two years? Yeah, two and a half. Be like two years, maybe two and a half. Yeah. Um, it's like really dyed in. It's like hyper niche down, like really straight audience, really straight offer. Like we've been going through this process, I don't know, like a hundred times with brands. So it's like so dyed in, um, that it's not about like the delivery or anything, but just like the communication with them as like human beings. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. and sometimes like, uh, stuff happens there. Uh, but in the earlier stages, we had like more, more of those like problems just because it wasn't like that dialed in. Like you're just figuring things out. Maybe you're not delivering a good service or maybe you sold the wrong product to them, uh, whatever it may be. So we had some plans in the beginning that we just, uh, one, okay. I will mention one story. So basically this guy wanted us to took his, uh, store from, I think it was WooCommerce it was a bit on WordPress to Shopify. Right. And the thing is that he was hyper obsessed with details, but to the thing, like to the extent that it wasn't healthy anymore. Right. So what we would do is we would um, rebuild the pages and everything. And then, for example, he would send us a WhatsApp uh, message saying, yo, guys, when I click on the imprint, like down to the third page, the heading, the second heading is like one font size off right? Like one pixel font size off. 
I was like, holy fucking shit, what, bro? <laughs> like one person a year is going to read your imprint and they're not going to catch that it's different from like the old one that they've never seen, but whatever. So that was just like going on for ages. I think it was like half a year to like eight months, even though it was like finished after two to three months, just because we were going sure. through like a hundred feedback loops or uh, because he had OCD or something. So that was like the most horrendous story <laughs> that yeah. I have if, um, if, if, <laughs> from if the beginning. Could, if, if I could ask you, how like how did you even learn CRL, right? Because it seems like it's like a science and an art at the same exact time. But like, what makes like how the hell is Carl Weiss the CRO guy? Right? Like, like, did you go through training? Like, did you just learn from experience? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how did you develop that skill? Um, good question. So I had this one advantage that my friend was already doing it for like two years before me, right? He was like a freelancer before me. So basically in the beginning, I could just like, uh, shadow work with him. Um, okay. so what I would do is I would go through like a lot of different courses on like CRO and marketing and everything. The good thing was I already had ex kind of experience from like Amazon FBA and the e-commerce and then also before that, like selling, like reselling, right? Got so it. the understanding kind of how it works. I would say the main differentiator for us and also of why we were able to kind of take the personal brand and the agency to where it is now is because we, we found like the balance between analyzing data um, and then also applying psychology to it because that's what I said. Like some people get so stuck in conversion optimization. They, they're like hyper-focused on some like weird hacks or tactics. Like, on, like you could find it on like YouTube right now. And people will tell you on your dropshipping store, you need to put payment badges. It's like a CRO hack, right? But they don't even <laughs> understand like why they're doing it. So like everybody's just like copying each other, but they don't understand what they're doing. So I think our main differentiator is like this huge background of psychology. So Definitely. just like the initial personal obsession and then also going through, going to Tony Robbins seminars, um, having different mentors, having consultants. I was going to seminars. I don't know if you guys are familiar with NLP. It's basically what Tony Robbins teaches. And you can go through like a whole seminar to become like a NLP practitioner, right? Oh, so wow. I was going through that and everything. Um, and it's, it has nothing to do with e-commerce. Right. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but just like uh, it, it's like so deep and like psychology um, of like how humans work and how the mind works, how the brain works, why people buy um, that. I'm just like taking all of this background and now apply it to e-commerce. Definitely. And and if I could ask too, like, can you talk about brands that you've worked with or you really don't talk about the brands you've worked with? So I'm, I'm curious, like, because I'm sure that you have seen big differences after your work. Like, I'm just like curious, like, what what do you do in a sense to make these difference? Obviously, people pay you to like change sites and everything. But at the same time, like I'm curious. I'm sure people are curious too. Like, hey, like what is some of the secret sauce and secret hacks and psychology that really go into this? You know what I mean? Because at a high level, obviously, you're helping the conversion rate get better, right? So if you're at a three percent, you want to get to say three and a half percent, right, on conversion. And if you're doing say half a million a month, that half percent makes a big difference. But at the same time, what are you actually doing? Like, are you changing colors? Are you changing sure. text? Like, like. Like so walk through like a process of like brand comes to you, say big brand. Uh, I don't know. Think of a big brand like uh, Allbirds. Allbirds comes Javi to you. Javi Coffee. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Javi Coffee. We'll, we'll do one that we know really well. Javi Coffee comes to you and it's like, hey, I want you to do our CRO. Like, what do you even do right now? Yeah, for sure. 
So at the high level, um, at the high level for like everybody to understand, and then I can go in depth if you no, guys for sure. want to still. Yeah. High level, basically, um, it's again like the understanding. It's not there's no shortcut really to it. So on the one hand side, you have to understand the unique brand, their positioning, their offer, and who they're selling to, and like how they're selling to it, and then also the target audience. Basically, same what you guys do with the ads, right? So you have to get the understanding: who are you selling to? What are the pain points? What are the beliefs, motives, desires? What gets them going? What gets them motivated? And everything. So this is like the foundation, right? Then. Awesome. How do I how do I sell somebody, right? The psychology of selling is you have to motivate them. You have to show them the value of the offer. You have to remove any friction, like like they click from the ad on the website. They have to search for the product. Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of friction there. And then you want to take their anxiety, right? So you want to clear any doubts in their mind. This is like the basic foundation of how to sell to somebody. And then like going deeper into this, is how do you do this and how do you apply it to the website? So first of all, for example, for the offer, you have to come up with a great offer. You have to have like a huge perceived value. You have to sell it to them for like a bargain feeling, right? That they're thinking. Um, so a good example would be all of these like gurus. They sell online courses and they say, um, 10 weeks of training valued at $5,000, two one-on-one calls with me valued at $5,000, three eBooks, this, 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 and this. And then they will write $20,000 and then they will strike through it and say, today it's $97. And in your mind, you're <laughs> like, wow, 20,000, like huge perceived value. I'm getting it for a bargain. Um, so that's like the first one. And then you want to have urgency, right? Like, okay, it's great, great bargain, huge, huge value, but I will buy tomorrow. No, you cannot let them buy tomorrow. So you need to have urgency to get them to buy now. Um, and then also what happens, of course, they would think, hmm, if I buy it and I don't like it, what will happen? If I buy it, apply the strategies and it will not work, what will happen? Right. So you need to take the anxiety and objections. So whether it be a guarantee or whether it be communicating or whether it be building trust. Right. And then you see where I'm taking this. Right. So from the foundations to like breaking them down and then you can think, OK, how am I doing it? If I need more trust with my prospects, because only if they trust me, they're going to buy, what can I do? I can use social proof so I can put TikTok videos, um, whatever. I need authority. I could use influencers. I could have a doctor endorse my product. Um, I need reviews. So I could have a lot of people talking about my product. I right? just see content, something like that. That's how you build trust. And that's how you go in like all of these different sections. And then like the main and like the bird's eye view then you get the big decision-making from like, okay, I'm giving them a yes, I'm going to buy. It's same with like a sales process, right? Like when you close somebody, you're also going through like a lot of different steps. First of all, you have to understand them individually. How do they talk, right? Um, what's important for them? What tonality are they using? How long are their sentences? And then you want to mirror them, right? So they kind of feel this connection with you. You want to build the bridge. You want to understand their situation. You want to understand their future situation. You build the bridge. You position yourself in it, right? That's like how you say to like 101. And it's kind of like this, but like online. You know what I mean? Definitely. That's interesting. Uh, that's really cool. And like, I'm sure it works, right? Like you have a bunch of cases where this does work and like it makes a huge difference, right? Yeah, for sure. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
We just built like a new product page for the URI and uh, I've seen the initial results. I'm talking to them on Tuesday again. So I'm just going to wait to get like the whole results. Uh, and then I'm going to push it as a case study on YouTube. But imagine we get a 2% lift on a product page, right? On a brand that's doing nine figures a year. Like that's, <laughs> we're talking about millions, right? Like uh, it's insane. Like at that level, if you get like a really small increase because you changed the offer, you you change the copy and it resonates more with the prospects or something and you get like a marginal increase, it's like insane. Yeah, so, so let me ask you because what you do is very, it's very value-based in the sense of it totally depends on where the business is at size-wise. So you ha- you, I'm assuming you have a minimum criteria for like revenue thresholds and stuff for brand eligibility to work with you. So you don't have to get into the specifics of what you charge, but do you charge a fixed fee and performance-based, just performance-based? You know, like if you make a company like the Udi an extra $10 million a year, that's different than making another company an extra maybe 100K a month or a million a year. So um, how does your general pricing structure work? Udi is a special case because Davey is a friend and stuff. So we're not getting details there. Um, no, yeah, of course. And you don't, and you don't have to get into specifics. Yeah, for sure. Generally, it's like a fixed retainer. Um, just fixed. I'm thinking about turning it into like a um, performance-based retainer because there will be more upside for us with like these crazy lifts. But then again, brands don't want to pay that much <laughs> um, no. long-term, right? Um, so basically, we work with eight-figure brands. We charge them like a five-figure monthly retainer for all of the work that we do. But it's really like ROI-based. So it's not performance-based that we get them 100K, we get 10% or whatever. It's more like uh, from the beginning, I would charge them 10K a month or something. And then I will also guarantee them a certain ROI, right? So think of it as like a ROAS. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like, if a brand's making 100K, that's like only charging them a thousand bucks to get an extra 10 or 20K a month or something like that. When you kind of scale it down in proportion, it makes a lot of sense. Now, like because of the value of the service you're providing and also the, the price fee, right? Like it's not super cheap because you offer a great service. How do you go about attracting brands that are at a level that are qualified to work with you. Um, and cause I'm sure you get a ton of brands that aren't quali- qualified to work with you that are begging to work with you, but you're just like, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, like, so how do you attract like high value clients? Is it mostly referrals? Or are you doing high outreach? Value clients? How value man, Carl Weiss is a high value man. <laughs> I love John's comments today. <laughs> <laughs> So really good question to you. So until this day, we probably got like 85, around 80, 80 to 85% inbound leads. So people DMing me on Twitter, or people booking a call because they saw content or something and 15 to 20% referrals. Until this day, we didn't spend a single cent on ads. We're going to start pushing ads now because I want to take it to the next level. Um, so that would be interesting. But until this day, we grew it just organically and also without any outreach. Of course, in like the earlier days, I did some Loom recordings on LinkedIn or I did some cold calls, but that's not like scalable. A, in relation to like the overall revenue we did, it's like nothing, right? So mm-hmm. we maybe did like the first 50 Gs or something with like outreach, but then afterwards it was just like inbound leads from them. Uh, and now we're going to uh, start ads and see where it goes. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm sure you turned away a ton of brands, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that probably feels good to you too when you're like, nah, 
too small for us. <laughs> it depends, bro, because uh, like from the entrepreneurial mindset, somebody comes to you with the credit card in their hand and you're like, no, and you're like, fuck, somehow I got to make some money just from like the entrepreneur. So <laughs> of course, for like my ego, it feels good, but then I'm like trying to figure out some way. <laughs> it's like you have to like almost, you have to almost partner with an, another like a smaller CRO agency and be like, yo, like this guy's too small for me, but I'll send him to you. Give me a little kickback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, I, Colin, go. Sorry. You're good. Well, I wanted to go into a, a little bit less of a business conversation. So if there's another question you had, no, John, feel free I, to shoot. I, I have one more question about business related though. I saw once on Twitter, you did this. I thought this was genius. He was like taking brands and doing the CRO for them on Twitter, like publicly. And then like tagging the founder and tagging the brand and being like, here, like, do you want me to do this for you type of thing? Like, how did you even come up with that? Because I thought that was like so genius. Like kind of Smart. like a free zero audio. He like, look, here's what it looks like now. Here's what I want it to look like. Like pretty much pay me and I'll do it for you. Like that was genius. Yeah. I love that. So I would, I would love to take all of that. Um, but my homie was of Ecom gave me the idea in February or March last year. Yeah. So I went on a call with him. He gave me the idea. Basically, a lot of the stuff that worked really well came from him. So shout out to you, brother, if you're watching this. I took a lot of stuff that he gave me as an idea and I just executed instantly and at like a high quality. And boom, bro. Insane. Like the mind map, my pinned tweet that got like over 2,200 likes organically. His idea, right? Do a mind map. I'm like, okay, execute, <laughs> not question, just execute. The thing is over time you see, uh, I don't know if you guys see this, but I see this cause I have this like content creation, like glasses on and I'm in like my CEO bubble and stuff. Um, but on Twitter, it's like anything I do and any new creative or angle I will come up with, it's going to get ripped. And like the time period has shortened like crazy. It's like going into dropshipping and at the same time doing a case study about your own brand, everybody's going to rip it. So with me being on Twitter publicly, in the beginning, I could have I could like use something for longer. So for example, if I was doing CRO, it took like five to six months for other people to replicate it. Now everybody's doing it. The auto DM giveaway, right? Like I'm giving this away for free. Took the same time. Now everybody's doing it. Um, these mind maps. And the thing is, same with creatives, like you have fatigue. But the fatigue is not because you push it, it's because other people come into the market and like they they do it like the exact same shit. Like word by word, they take, if I was doing CO, if I was doing oh, like and then like it doesn't work that well anymore in the market, which kind of pisses me off. <laughs> but yeah, now like- It gets uh, super saturated, TV. exactly. It gets yeah. very saturated. And then it's also the thing like, um, like from the consumer perspective, it's probably the same that happened with e-commerce gurus. In the beginning, there were some people that just wanted to teach people. Now it's like everybody and their mother is doing it and ripping people off, right? Same with Twitter now. Everybody can do a tweet like this and like how the fuck should like a consumer differentiate between who is actually going to provide on it. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like it's going to, it's becoming harder and harder for consumer. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, what did, if you were to go back to your 12 year old self, what would he think that you were doing right now, either professionally or personally, where would he think that you would be? 12 years old. Whoa. <laughs> um, how old are you, Carl? You're, you're like 16, right? <laughs> 
I'm not Rhinus, bro. I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> Rhinus. This motherfucker is 21 and he's fucking crushing. Oh, is he 22? No. Oh, I think he's turning 22 now, right? No, he's, he's 21. Yeah, we just saw yeah. him. Oh, who, Rhinus? Yeah, he's yeah. awesome, He's beast. Yeah. No, I'm 24 yeah. now. Back when I was 12, I didn't have a clue, bro. I didn't have a clue until I was 16, probably. But I would have guessed something like, because I was really good in school back then. I was like a nerd. <laughs> so I would have guessed. So, no, I, I think I always wanted to become like a consultant because I saw them, like I Googled and I think like a business consultant was like the highest paying. It was even like better than like, like a doctor um, or something. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to become a business consultant. Had like a 100K, 120K a year or something with like a lot of flying around and like looking cool. So I think that's what I... <laughs> That's well, cool. And that's, that I mean, that's kind of what you are in yeah. a sense. You're a consultant and a service provider, but that's, did you ever play like any sports or like any instruments when you were younger? Yeah, a lot. So, um, instruments like guitar, um, sports, everything. So I started with soccer, went to, is it called handball too in America? Like where you? Oh, like handball versus football. Yeah. We, handball is not too popular here, but it's, yeah, okay. it's a thing. So I started with football, went to handball, went to basketball, went to table tennis, went to badminton, uh, basically did like everything. Um, and then I stuck with uh, gym <laughs> at the end <laughs> from yeah. like 16. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, I guess another question that I had is like, would be about um, relationships and business. I don't think it's something we get into enough, but like, John and I are both cuffed. And so we're in relationships. We, we, we juggle business relationships. And we were talking to a group of guys when we went to Arizona about this as well. And everyone kind of has a different take and they have different perspectives on like how you, you know, you mix in your personal or your romantic relationships versus, you know, your work-life balance, your, your businesses, et cetera. Um, are you single for all the ladies watching? No. No. Oh, so how do you balance too. that? How do you balance that? Oh, um, I haven't figured it out a hundred percent yet because I don't really believe in balance with that because it's like so intertwined. Um, I had like a mindset shift from like last year to this year because I was in New Zealand with my girlfriend for like three and a half weeks from like mid-December to like early January, just like took completely off. And I had like a huge mindset shift there. And it's funny because I was talking with Davey about this yesterday evening about like exactly the same stuff, like balance and like uh, girlfriend, family, relationships, everything. And I had this huge mindset shift between I was just hyper-focused on business and not anything else. Not like uh, I would, that would be like my highest priority. I had like working... We were talking about this earlier, working like 12, 14 hour days, right? Um, just prioritizing it over everything else, like your decision making to now I want to like work less, but work more efficient with like a higher output and like work on the right things. Not like keep busy just so I can tell myself I'm working a lot or tell others I'm working a lot, but like way like regular, like 30, 40 hour work week, but like highly efficient, high output, no BS, right? Not like looking around social media or something. Um, yeah. And with that, so that's like the one thing. And then the second thing would be have like designated like weekends, designated travels and just like watching out for each other and then like communicating openly about everything too. So I think that's the, 
like best way to do it. Um, but I had this like huge mindset shift and also from like mid to end last year, I started focusing like so much more on family ties too. Cause before that I was like, yeah, whatever. I can see them in like five years when I'm fucking rich. (laughs) 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 Um, so I've just like kind of, uh, switched that to more enjoying the process before that I was just like, I don't give a fuck if I'm happy or not, whatever, whatever. I don't give a fuck if I'm healthy right now and if I'm fit or look good. Uh, just business success, nothing else. And now I like kind of shifted that to more enjoying the process. Because um, at the end of the day, like uh, if you only have the money, right? If you only have the business success and you don't have health, you don't have family ties, girlfriend, friends, hobbies, whatever, like you're pretty, pretty poor. You don't know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. And I turn it into, I rather have business success and money as like a hygiene standard. And then I can like focus on like all of the other things too. For sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually curious what, what you said, because you're like, you said, I used to work 14 hours a day and now I'm trying to just work like 30 to 40 hours a week, right? In those 30, 40 hours, what do you do all day? Because like, I'm kind of in the same boat where I used to work like crazy amount of hours and I'm trying to just optimize and make the right decisions and do, do the correct actions every single day, right? So they can compound. But I'm curious, like, what do you do all day, right? Like day to day, are you talking to clients more? Are you doing sales? Are you doing the actual CRO? Are you doing financials? Like, right? what, what are you working on day to day? So I'm not doing any of the operations because like my team is handling it. Um, I'm doing some of the sales, but I only have like 20 sales calls a week. So I may have between like three to if it's a lot like 10, right? Um, so the main thing would probably be personal brand, whether it's like YouTube content, Twitter content, connecting with people. I'm doing a lot of travels. So I got out of like this, just like staying at home. So I'm doing like one to two events, like masterminds a month, just like speaking and then also connecting with people in person. So like one to two weeks, every single month is like, just like traveling and doing that stuff like in person. And then depending on the month, like the other two to three weeks is then more focused on like the content sales and then building like the strategy for the business. Um, sometimes I, 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 I get, I, I, I have a question then for you. You have a partner in business, right? You have a partner. Yeah. Is he, does he get annoyed that you don't do anything all day pretty much? <laughs> Because, like, realistically, he's running the operation, right? Like, I'm assuming he's doing that part of the business. The thing, like, you cannot look at it that way because, um, like, we need each other. Okay. Right? Like, like your acquisition and he's... Bro, if, I'm, like, if I'm working 30 minutes a day, if I'm working 30 minutes a day, but I sign, like, five clients a week, like, why would he give mm-hmm. a fuck? No, exactly. Yeah. So, like, and that, that's why I asked that question because like all three of us were more of like the uh, out like sales networking type of people, and then we always have the partner who does do that operational part. But then sometimes you think to yourself, "Well, crap, this guy's working so hard, like operating this thing, like dealing with like pissed off clients, stuff breaking, blah blah blah." And then you're just like, "Well, I just sold all the clients. I'm just like sitting here, right?" I, I'm I'm always thinking that personally. I thought that's why I asked you the question. You know what I mean? It's like my partner does do most of the operations, and like now like we're at capacity. Like the, the fulfillment center. So I'm like, I don't even know what to do with myself all day. That's why I'm like doing the podcast now. I'm just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
So I, that, that's why I asked the question because I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, I do get it. Like, yeah, you can close five clients to take you like an hour, right? But then, like, do you feel, you don't feel guilty on that? Nah, cause like, you guys will never be at capacity, right? Like, you just continuously grow. That's true. You'll never be at yeah, capacity. There's always sales. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to scale it indefinitely, but like, the, the point I want to make is, um, I think it's, it's not like the right anger or like the right mindset to uh, think of time input, right? It's value yeah. input. Yeah. I would rather look at output. If I can get like an output that I, that like, that's our goal, right? Um, and I'm reaching that, like I wouldn't, same with him, like I wouldn't care <laughs> if all the clients are happy and he's just like chilling all day, like I wouldn't care, right? So for me, it's more about the output generated and there's like, so I watched the Sam Ovens video like one and a half, two years ago. And he was talking about like, you have to look at your business from like a bird's eye view perspective and understand like what needs, like, for example, one input and gets you like a 10x multiple instead of a one input and like a one output, right? So that's just like what I'm doing right now. I kind of just did the things that get me like a huge output. And then I focus my time on that. And then... Like, you don't need to work much. I was talking with Davey. Like, he was like, I don't even have to work with any of this. I'm just doing it for fun right now with, like, Woody and all of these brands. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's, like, so many, like, they are printing money, right? I mean, we're at the point where we also have, like, a CEO. So my partner is not working in the business. He's just working, like, at the business, like, building structures, systems, managing the C-level whatsoever, right? Um but we have like a really, really good relationship because we know each other for like three, three and a half years-ish now. Um, and it's just like no ego, straight to the point. German efficiency. <laughs> German efficiency. <laughs> that's funny. That, that's yeah, that's so, awesome, dude. So out of, so out of a 40-person team, how many people do you think have come in and out of the door within your company? Like how many people did you have to prospect? How many people... Like did it, how long, you know, not maybe not how long it t- took, but how many people did you have to prospect to get out that 40 person team? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause I didn't do HR. <laughs> like we have an <laughs> HR person. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you, if you had a guess, right. Cause obviously, you know, it probably took maybe two or three people to find one who you were going to take on full time. Probably like per like per role between like from like the applicants like thirty to a hundred anywhere in like between that range I would say. And yeah. is, is your talent like European mostly, or is it like U.S. mostly across the country? Where do you find people? Mostly European. So all of the leading positions are in Germany. So like the C level, the team leads, like us and stuff. Um, then we have like an office for like the developers uh, in Southeastern Europe. Um, and then we have some people like traveling around Europe or in like Spain, Portugal, uh, whatever, just like remotely working. Definitely. That's awesome. Very cool. And you're doing a lot of traveling in America. I saw you were in Miami this past weekend, right? At Alex Ferretov's event. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's part of like what I'm doing right now. I'm just like <laughs> jumping around, catching planes, uh, going to like different masterminds. That, that cool. helps a lot, I'm assuming, right? With networking, just meeting people and speaking and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Game changer. For sure, for sure, for sure. Kyle, I know you have something to Yeah, that's right awesome. Now. 
No, I mean, one thing that I wanted to ask for those who are listening, who have stuck around this long uh, within the podcast, because unfortunately our listeners only watch like 20, 25% of the video or or listen to the podcast duration. So for those of you who are listening, who are in e-commerce, I wanted to ask a question. What color should you make the add to cart button? And what text should you change add to cart to? Should you do add to bag? Should you do buy now? Give me some sauce there. I don't want to say it's irrelevant as long as it like stands out. Uh, so some, it should have like a good differentiator to like the background. So if you have like a black background, I would make it black. If you have a white background, I would make it like grayish or something like that. So use, use something that's like popping out. Um, the copy that you have on the add to card should say something like add to card, add to bag, buy, purchase, whatever. But so like, such a small, tiny change that it only makes sense to like focus on that if you're the Udi or somebody at like yeah. mid eight figures minimum because uh, it's like so minimal. Yeah, I mean, I've, I would slightly disagree with that. And I think you, you, I would have expected you to just to kind of back me a little bit being the CRO guy, but I've had, <laughs> I had one brand that was only doing like maybe 150, 200K a month and we changed it from add to cart to add to bag. And the conversion rate probably went up like a half a percent. And now sometimes you don't know whether the independent variable is the cart button or whether it was, you know, the color or whether it was the copy or just that Facebook had a good week or a good couple of weeks. But I, you know, I've noticed some pretty big changes from, or big uh, outputs from some small little changes like that. So I was just curious, but you, you think that it's more so just the contrast between the color of the background of the website and the button, just make sure it stands out, make sure it's, so like it's self-explanatory. The, the point that I want to make with this is if, if I was to start doing CRO on my own e-com brand, I wouldn't start with the add to cart button. Like I would start oh, yeah, working yeah, of on course. the offer. I would start working on the copy, the landing yeah. page and everything. That's like the point that I want to make with it. Um, yeah. If you just like focus on the add to cart, yeah, of course, like you can do. Some yeah. Also. So, so I guess one last quick question to spin off of that, um, because one thing that we've been doing for brands that we work with at our marketing agency is we've been helping them craft very personalized offers in kind of sub landing pages, if that makes sense. So like the main homepage will redirect to a main one size fits all product page. But from, from the advertising perspective, if we have a body scrub and it can help with the bikini area. It can help with your armpits. It can help on with your face, whatever. We actually will create sub landing pages that go after that very specific customer and that specific marketing angle. But I see a lot of very big brands like not doing that. Um, like, do you, do you guys do that for clients or do you see them actually wanting multiple personalized landing pages for like the same product? Or do you just try to get one great, like one size fits all landing page? Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, sure. Great question. This is really based on like their performance marketing efforts. So uh, I really appreciate you doing that because like not a lot of people are putting that kind of effort into the marketing and the funnel and the congruency and everything. Um, so if you have the capacity to do something like that and you have the scale where it makes sense, uh, then yeah, go ahead. Um, I would just, for the decision, decision-making process, I would just uh, understand for like as an e-commerce brand myself, do I have the capacity to print out five different landing pages for like five different angles per product and then also separate all of that and stuff, right? But if yeah. you have, and if you're at a scale, let's say like mid six figures or seven figures a month, then yeah, go ahead. Cool. 
John, you got anything else? I know Carl, you got to run in a call soon, but we can do like another 10 minutes. I'm good. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think like, I mean, I think I already know the answer to this, but, and it's a question we haven't asked in a while because I think the more we talk to people, the more we know the answer to it. But if you were written a check guaranteed hundred million a year to, but you had to be confined to working like a job, like a nine to five, what would, what would that job be? Um, I would work somewhere on a farm in New Zealand or as like a tourist guide of like a, um, a boat or something exotic like that. Wow. So you, so you just love people. You love interacting with people and you love like, you like showing people around and giving people a good time over like some of the nitty gritty business stuff sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Dude, Carl loves giving so like what? some people a good time. When he was sorry, when he was oh, here, yeah. Carl just took us out over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Carl yeah. takes care of everyone. Yeah. Yep. And like when it comes to the tab, if you're in a room with him, he's not letting you take he out your card. He will literally punch you in the face before you could pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and not, not many people are like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, so I, like what's, I don't know, what's the end goal out of this? Like, you know, you build a company to... 10, 20, 30 million a year profit, however high you think you get it, maybe you exit it. Like what, like what's your ultimate goal at the end of all this? Bro, ultimate goal is just like enjoying life. Um, enjoying life, um, becoming the best version of myself, see where I can push it uh, and on the way, uh, make a good time, have some, make some good friends, enjoy nice experience together and make an impact, maybe inspire some people to like pursue the same stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. This is, I don't know if you guys realize this. I don't think my uh, video has been recorded the whole time, but I have my phone here recording. So I hope yours too has been recorded the whole time. <laughs> this this might be the, the most technically uh, screwed up podcast we have, but it's difficult it is. podcast. Well, so Kyle, you're, you're yeah. recording your audio, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Cool. It, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Carl, Carl I, I have another question for you. Um, do you think it's like, I've seen you doing a lot of this. Obviously, you're in Germany, right? You're not in the U.S., but like you're spending a lot of time in the U.S. market. Um, my question to you is, do you see more opportunity in the U.S. market or in some of these like untapped markets like Germany, Europe, like England, or even like South America, stuff like that? Like, Because I know you're spending a lot of time here, but also are there pockets of opportunity in these countries that other people can exploit? If you don't have the language barrier to like South America um, or maybe even Asia or something like that, like you should go into that market. Like uh, Brazil, for example, is an insane market. So I have a friend in Brazil and he uh, he's running like crazy affiliate stuff <laughs> at like a really <laughs> high scale in Brazil just because um, they don't have any competition, right? Nobody understands marketing and the marketers that know marketing, they're not going to go into the Spanish market because of the barrier. So... That's why a lot of the European dropshippers went from Germany and England to like uh, Scandinavian countries, right? Like Denmark, um, Norway, all of these countries because they didn't have any competition. It's so easy to get like a good Ross and scale a brand there. So That's yeah, fine. definitely. Um, it's like way easier, but you have like the language barrier. For sure. And I'm also curious because like we're similar ages right now. Like I'm 24, Kyle's 23, about to turn 24. Who are some people in like the online due to e-commerce space that you've looked up to that have just been like really helpful to you kind of as you've scaled your business and grown as like an entrepreneur are there any people that have been like damn this person just like spent time with me and just helped me a whole bunch 
Uh, yeah, definitely. A lot of people. There will be a long list. Uh, so um, some German people, right? Um, so I'm spending a lot of time with Sebastian Selinski. Um, so he's like one person I look up to. He's like, uh, he was really behind the scenes in Germany. Um, Wiz of Ecom, he has been mentoring me like crazy. Like, as I said, I had so many breakthrough ideas because of him. Um, Jem has been an amazing mentor. You guys know Jem. Uh, he has nope. helped us on a lot in the beginning. Um, Davey, like, even though I didn't spend like that much time with him, just like the, the, the time we spent together has been like so impactful. Just like, I keep coming back to this conversation with him yesterday evening, but it's like, with some people, you just talk for like 15 minutes, but then it like sits with you, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, Bro, I could name like this long list probably of like oh, for uh, sure. people. Well, um, I only ask that yeah. question because like guys like us obviously are helping a lot of people. Like you're on Twitter helping people. Kyle's has like, dude, when, when I meet some of Kyle's students, it's like crazy to me. They're all like e-commerce Kyle, like he's like famous, right? I'm less of that. I don't have like an online presence, I guess yet. We're doing this YouTube thing. But like, it's interesting where like guys like us, people look up to us, but also we look up to so many other people too. And like, that's the only way you can learn and kind of get ahead, right? Because like, like you said, the guy from the Udi, like this guy has figured it out. Or like, at least you think he's figured it out. He probably doesn't think he's figured it out. You know what I mean? And then we can learn so much yeah, from these people. Sure. Um, so like, I always think it's really important to like have those mentors and those just more successful people ahead of you to really just figure out, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And like, he kind of gives you like the blueprint in the background. Like that 15 minute call, I'm sure it was valuable, right? Like that, that probably changed your perspective yeah. on something. Yeah, for sure. And generally, like, I feel like this one, like, circle of, like, Ian Gaggi, Sebastian Giorgio, Luke Belmar, um, like, these guys, just from, like, kind of seeing what they're doing, reverse engineering it, like, that has been fucking game-changing, too. <laughs> Especially Ian Gaggi with what he's been, like, doing over the past couple of months. Uh, was so, like, interesting to see from, like, the marketing perspective. <laughs> um, so... I've just been like following their journey. So even if I'm like not in like talking to them or something, just like kind of seeing what they're doing and how they're doing it was also like really, really inspiring, especially no. even Gaji. And it's kind of crazy because some of these guys are so big and like we don't even know. It. Like, for example, we met Sebastian this weekend for the first time. Like I was just chatting with him and like I honestly didn't even really know who he was until we met him. And I was like, whoa, like you're this big. Like, that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? And then you kind of see his whole funnel of how he built his audience and how we can like sell offers after that. And he, he's trying to talk to something about his agency and everything too, where like that online presence has a huge power behind it, right? Like guys like Sebastian, yeah. like Jordan Welsh is another one, like Iman, all these guys, yeah. they have this huge presence on top and can just flow people into like all their like offers and everything. Um, and they, they do it at a super high level, which is like something for all of us to, to look at and just kind of dissect and learn from. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of CRO stuff in there too. Just like you were saying, like, a whole bunch of just like psychological stuff that they do and like the way they frame stuff, the way the offers are framed, all that is like literally your bread and butter. You know what I mean? So maybe they should hire yeah. you to like even improve their, their conversion rate for some of their offers. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. Where, where can people hire you? Um, if they are doing eight figures, uh, they can shoot me a DM on Twitter or just book a call on my website. Have you, have you cool. done any nine figure we'll have, we'll have the website linked. But, but before we lose you, have, have you done any nine figure brands? Uh, Woody, um, and we're talking to some, but uh, that's uh, under the radar for now. For sure, no, because because there you, you'll, you'll see a big lift in, in what you guys do. But one hundred percent, like, is, is there a website for you guys, or is it just your Twitter? 
Uh, it's acceleratedagency.com. That's like the website. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have that linked in the description. We'll have your socials, whatever that you feel comfortable sharing. Uh, for those listening, for those watching, if you I'll want to connect with Carl, you'll be able to go there. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I wanted to mention real quick before we hop off is like, it's when we were talking about Iman, Sebastian, all these guys, it's, it's kind of funny because when you actually meet them in person, you realize like they're, they're just human. You know, they're just like you, they're not superhuman. They're not any better or any worse. They just like, they worked hard. They stuck it out. They, they might've taken a slightly different path than the average person. But like at the end of the day, everyone's human. They're all dealing with their own shit. Uh, they're all trying to climb the ladder. Same as everybody else. People we're just all at kind of different stages. So, so yeah, that's, uh, it, like same thing when we met you, you know, I knew you through Jim. I knew Jim like for like the last two and a half, three years before he kind of got like pretty popular in the industry. And it's like, man, we're all just, we're all just boys at the end of the day, just trying yeah. to grow. And, and there's going to be no better time than when we all spend time together and just join forces and just chop it up, you know? For sure. I think, I think it's so, a good place so, to yeah, we appreciate having cool you. Um, I hope this thing actually came out right. Cause like, this is like recorded <laughs> in 17 different places, but I think we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll get one in person soon anyways. Yeah, yeah we're going we're gonna to come to Germany. We'll fly out to Dubai. You guys got it. Make sure you, uh, make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, the whole nine. If you got it all the way to the end. Make sure you guys find Carl, follow him on Twitter. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening in. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you for jumping on, Carl. Thank you.